Hello once again. Welcome to Inside LAFC. Today it is episode 15. Max Bredos, Vince LaRosa, thrilled to be with you. A reminder to subscribe to our little podcast. We love the support. Comments, reviews, knock yourself out. Go to town. Hello, Vince. Hi, Max. I love, can I say I, I loved the uh, little bit of back and forth we had about the TIFOs last week. That was uh, fun. I did. And I actually really, thought, we got it a little later out than I thought because I, I lost track. Yeah. But well, we, we put our top we do TIFOs. Get busy. Yeah. People think that you and I, this is all we do. Yes. We do a little bit more. Yeah. We also live in LA. And so when the opportunity opens up to do something fun, it's there at your fingertips. Concerts, uh, parks. And there are booze. A million taco eat. trucks that Max has to eat at, and he has only what? How, how how many? What percentage of taco trucks in Los Angeles do you think you've barely, gotten to? Barely scratched the surface. I have a database that I'm trying to find, and um, they uh, I'm trying to use them. And there's like a lot of mobile ones that are just like oh, they appear here and then they go. You know, yeah. It's so um, with regards to that interesting story. I was at LAX American Airlines Terminal Four. Leo's Taco Trucks, one of the big ones. There's a bunch of them. Really good. Great Al Pastor tacos. Uh, they have one, I think, on Olympic and La Brea after like five o'clock. Really good. So there's a Leo's taco truck in America. And I follow Leo's on my database. And they said, that is not affiliated to us. They used the name. And I was like, whoa. I was like, whoa. Taco trucks are getting spicy. Taco truck beef. Yes. Uh, <laughs> taco truck beef. You're like, that's when we move on. Not my favorite taco, but still up there. I love that you have a database. I have a data. I have like 12 or 13 that yeah. I'm trying to collect and, and eventually have my dream project of the the taco truck challenge with the players of LAFC. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because for those that don't know, there is taco truck content coming from Max and I'm a big champion of it. I and I can't wait for, for it. I don't know what part I'll play in it, but I will be at every single shoot. The Leos and American Airlines uh, will not make the cut. Just, well, the logistics alone make it very difficult. Well, and I think that now you've learned that they're possible imposters. How could you? Yeah, I know. I did order a breakfast burrito from them and it was quite good yeah it was really big though i don't tip on burritos no rice because then you just are just decimated for the rest of the day bread and rice especially no sour cream no rice you'll enjoy it a lot you don't want to eat that and get on a plane (laughs) i mean Uh oh window seat it's not a problem problem here yeah it's not a problem for you but for the other hundred or so passengers you'll be happy to know there were no problems on that flight oh good so there you have it but uh i was up in portland where I will. It's a wonderful place. I'm glad to see all that. And we're going to talk about that. So uh, just a little bit about what's coming up here on Inside LAFC. We'll talk to Tristan Blackman, who's really emerged. Uh, I'm looking forward to that, to hear that interview, because uh, this is a guy whose life has changed. Had the first start against Seattle. Didn't go great, but he's come back with a goal in one game. And then going on this, one of the biggest games of the season anywhere, and maybe the biggest regular season game uh, based on everything that was involved and getting an assist in a 3-2 win. Yeah, I mean, a high leverage game in a, a intense place. I mean, Tristan, look, I thought he was very good in that game. Or, the sorry, first I say, Seattle sorry. game? No, no, not the first Seattle game. Okay. No, I'm, but, we're talking about the Portland game. But it, look, look, there's guys that play, and if they have a bad situation, you know, it's kind of tough to get back. I think Nico Hamelainen is a good example. He, he almost came on, almost yeah. came on in the game, but mm-hmm. time ran out. So, but it's you if if you didn't go great, you can not that you're off the off the radar, but you know it's you're you're replacing someone who's very good. Yeah, so. and we can't expect players to have just a continuous steep trajectory upwards. And I think that's the biggest compliment to Tristan is he's kind of weathered it. I mean, that Seattle game, it wasn't that he was bad. He just again, it's something that we always bring up. Good is not good enough. You have to 
push the team forward. You have to be a catalyst. You have to do something that, that someone else can't do. And I think that Seattle game, he just played a little scared. And that's why Bob singled him out in the Montreal game because he was not scared at all. And him not being scared also pushed the team forward. They got a goal directly from one of his interventions, stepping forward on a play when normally I don't think he would have done that. And he's learned from it. I think in Portland, he did a lot of things right. He did a few things that I, I, I think some of his pressing sometimes, he needs to make a decision one way or the other, whether to press or to go with a runner. Um, but you learn. You know, it's, it's ups and downs. And I think his downs are now not as down as they have been. And the upside is he's, he's doing some things like that, that second goal, that inside run. Uh, for that second goal to get in that space. I mean, it's hard as a player, I would imagine, when you pass the ball to Carlos Vela to not just watch him. Yeah, ball watching, it's uh, it's a really bad thing. Mm-hmm. But Don't Tristan makes a, an adventurous run. He might not get that ball. Carlos doesn't always play that. I was thinking of like Hansel and Gretel. Yeah, just, yeah, trudging through that, in, <laughs> trudging through trudging through that, basket. En- that enchanted Providence Park. There's a throwback. Uh, but <laughs> well, it was, was I think it was great. I like. What, what do you think of the TIFO? It was pretty. It was pretty expansive. It was elaborate. It was, yeah. it was large. Yeah, it was large. I mean, it, you saw it in person. It, so here's what I, I was impressed. Say. As but it, they are, they have a very high standard. Let's let's be perfectly honest. Yeah, and you were there, and so the, you're going to give us a, a good perspective. I would say from a broadcast perspective, this we kept hearing about how much different it is on broadcast. You can't tell. I really could not tell. I first of all, you can't see the new stand, so I don't. You wouldn't know, anyways. By the way, I was sitting in the old stand. The old stand is the same. Yeah, it's the same. There's like the media area where you have this obstructive view. It's still there. That's fine. Yeah, you wouldn't know, anyways. I'll tell you this: take that microphone off, Timber Joey. Every time they <laughs> scored, that chainsaw was so loud. I thought my dog was gonna run out of the house. Yeah. Like I get it. We get it. Yeah. Chainsaw, cool. Okay, but he I, was walking around a little bit with the chainsaw with the mic. I was like, there's no goal. There's no goal. Yeah. You're just running the chainsaw. It's terrifying. But um, That so, can't be safe. <laughs> that's what I was kidding in the booth where I put I had a, a T-shirt on. And I pulled my arm through as if my arm got severed. Once I heard the, the chainsaw, I'm like wiggling my arm, and the whole, the whole area laughed. I got a good laugh because they knew what I was talking about. You hear the chainsaw, and I was like, ah, ah. lose an arm. We're also going to talk about... <laughs> Um, the situations that emerged there, uh, and we got a lot of data points from everyone out there about the amount of times LAFC and Carlos Vela have been fouled. We'll talk about that, and I know we'll get into depth to see if it is a as legitimate an issue as certainly LAFC feels, and maybe not as much outside of the black and gold. But if it's a problem, we'll address it. But let's talk about Portland. Great. Well, I was going to say it's a great place to go if you ever get a chance to visit. It's close to LA. Uh, some of our people that were there stayed an extra day. If it's if the weather is great, you can drive up the coastline. Beautiful mountains, Rainier and uh, Mount Hood at the top. Great, great food, craft beers. It's great. It's a wonderful place, and it's very manageable. We stayed at the hotel. You could walk to the stadium. So every time I've gone to Portland, I've just had a wonderful time. Didn't have donuts this time, which I regret. And my son, it was expecting me to bring a whole Are you thing. a zombie donuts guy? Or I just go to Voodoo because I or, like Sorry, it's, not Zombie. Zombie. What's Zombie? There's Blue Star. They have Blue Star Donuts Zomb- in L.A. now. Though. Zombie Donuts, free plug, was a place in Fullerton that I used to go to when I lived in Fullerton. Do they so have if you're colorful in Fullerton, donuts? They do. They have a donut made using Monster Energy Drink. It sounds disgusting. It's actually very good. All right. Those donuts, the thing with them, you take a bite, great. A second bite, pretty good. Third bite, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a big sugar guy, so sugar wrecks It's a lot me. of sugar. In yeah. I eat less sugar, so I feel it now more. But I want you to lead this a little because, like I said, I was watching from home. I was on broadcast. You had quite the whirlwind, whirlwind trip. You went from Florida, correct? I went L.A. within three days. L.A., Miami, 
Portland. Portland. So this and you travel day of. Yes. Got up there in the morning, made a quick connection in Dallas. Mm-hmm. I, I uh, documented that on my Instagram to show I was making it and made it. In time for the Champions League match? Champions League game. And where did you watch it? With who? Watched it McMinimins something or other uh, right there in the heart of Portland. Everyone's there. The, the traveling supporters, Richard Roscoe, Christian Lau, our, our lead tech guy who uh, is always there, and uh, Matt Ross of YouTube TV. Yeah, well, Christian is a is a hologram. He just appears. Yes, he's like tech, and he's got that Star Trek transporter. Yeah, it was yeah, and uh, so he did that, and the fans were raking. It was completely full. How was Matt and Rich? I know that they're Matt's a Spurs fan, so he was. was He had to go for a walk. Yeah, Rich was had to kind of hold court a little bit with the fans. So I mean, there was some disappointment, but he he brushed it off really quickly because he knew. We had to, but Rich is a, is a quick, get it out of your brain, let's let's focus on the next thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, less said about that match is probably better. It was not a great match. No. No, it wasn't. But fun to do to hang out with By the, the supporters. By the way, let's, if they could limit the amount of time between this. The semis were so good, and as soon as day and day and day went by, you knew the final was going to be lame just because you'd lost all the momentum. And you opened it with Imagine Dragons. Don't do that. I missed that part. Thank, well, <laughs> lucky for you, man. I Max. saw your tweet. <laughs> oh, my son loves Imagine Dragons, so I've been to an Imagine Dragons show. Hey, and you're, so your son is welcome <laughs> to love Imagine Dragons, but if you are my age or you know slightly younger or maybe slightly older, you should not like Imagine Dragons and should not like that they did a medley of all their songs. And I just don't understand that of the world's game. <laughs> this is the world's game. It, it is not, you know, so somebody put on something, they go, this is like the Super Bowl of soccer. And, I and got somebody you goes, beat, but it's, it's not the Super Bowl of soccer. The Super Bowl is the Champions League of, of football. Because they're actually they're looking up at Champions League. There's so many people in the world that watch the Champions League. But to invite Imagine Dragons, can we be a little more creative? But I guess I'm ask I am asking a lot of UEFA to be creative, <laughs> I suppose. But oh man, it was it was it was bad. It was bad. Look, Imagine Dragons is they are anth- they they have the anthems. I'm already ESPN. Yeah, they, they have the a color, new album came out. They have out. the coloring book and they color by numbers and they've seemed to figure it out. Oh, I know. And your old company is to, to blame for this. ESPN seems to love a, them some Imagine Dragons. They had a new album and the song just came out and the song before it even came out was already the theme of college football on ESPN. And it did well. People know what it is. So at the World Cup last summer, the opening act, people at least know Imagine Dragons. It was Robbie Williams. People in Britain know who Robbie Williams is. In America and I guess in the, around the world they did, but he was the opening act, a little bit beyond his prime, and then he flicked off the crowd on TV. I do I go, remember this that. This is what you get. Stick with Shakira. Shoot, yeah. Stick with Ricky Martin. Actually, I would sign the petition Pitbull. to have Shakira do the opening for every She's single still, thing yeah. from now on. She, she can get a good crowd and get, get it going. It's not. I have an acapella pan down in the South Bay that's getting some traction. I'll be happy to, to, to perform. Hard pass. <laughs> All right. So where should we start with Portland? Let's start with okay, that. The, let's start with that first forty-five minutes. Okay. Well, how about how about the march? Oh yeah. Okay, start with the march. march. Uh, exceptional. ESPN was there documenting it. Big numbers walking down the street. There was a couple moments where you know it got a little hairy because you see the the Timber fans popping out. You know. Kind of like the big timber fans, the guys that beards, beards and big arms, flannels, and flannel shirts. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, they had timber shirts, yeah. and it was like a little exchange. Some guy ran out and uh, mooned the thirty-two fifty-two. Someone grabbed his hat, and then it was just going. But you know, it, it was it went off without a key. But these are this is the situation you put in. Where it, I just want to say that nothing really happened. Little things here and there, but 
it, it was so intense. The walk, the fans, and the, the interactions that you're, you you felt it. Are people still mooning people in 2019? He mooned somebody. I'm like, <laughs> that's, whoa! That's actually hilarious. Ran out of the bar and did it. I go, kudos for yeah, well done, for courage. Mooned. Uh, <laughs> so one thing when they arrived that was pretty interesting, and I've got done games and I've done it with Portland, Seattle. There's a little section in the corner that's for the away fans, and it never goes beyond that section. It's like a little slice of pizza. Mm-hmm. LAFC took the next section, which was twice the size, so almost like three sections in that corner. Um, and I've been told now that they bought a lot of tickets in the secondary market and kind of owned that. And some part of fan, fans had to be kind of. <laughs> well, that was, I would say, this, that's actually very smart of the Timbers. And, and uh, they know from their rivalries with Vancouver and from Seattle how these go. And I think other, if we want the things that we want in MLS, we want the atmosphere, other stadiums, other teams are going to have to learn from that because that's what you do. If, if you find out that the allotment that you've given, it, uh, the team has now gone well over it with secondary tickets. You got to round those people up and put them all in the same place because that's that's one gonna it's gonna lend to the atmosphere, but two, it's gonna keep things from getting bad. Great, yeah. They, Which hats is off so to smart the, Port- of the Portland Timbers uh, security and everything. There wasn't a lot of them, but the few people there did a great job. They were hands on. They never left their uh, uh, stations, and uh, in the end. Clean bill of health. Everything was good. Mm-hmm. But when I was watching it, I really, you know, watching MLS grow, I remember you'd see a, a smattering of 20 fans in a game. You go, great, traveling support, which never happens, happening. And then you see this, and I just, I've seen it before where you have a traveling fan base and then the home team going at it. And I was like, you know where I've seen it? It wasn't in Major League. I've never seen anything like that in Major League Soccer. But, and forgive me, some of the big rivalry games, I haven't been to all of them. I've seen them on TV. And I, I was there in the middle of it. It was like the Premier League where you have that allotted fan where the, the security's around them. And say it's, I'll take one I did. Cardiff and West Ham were big rivals for whatever reason. Yeah, why? I don't know. But Cardiff had a little section there. I mean, this is what I was told. I don't know. I, West Ham's my team. I don't know deep in the history, but I was told, yeah, the Cardiff, they have a little bit of history. And they, they have them position security off. They were loud. And then, you know, it's about a thousand of them. And then the rest is, and they're communicating through the, the whole time. And this was happening. And sometimes with this Timbers Army, which was the other end of the stadium, it was breathtaking to see that. And I, it's, it, But again, there was intensity. It was exciting. There was part of you that almost wanted to end because the intensity was too high. It really, I really was palpable in my estimation. And uh, I won't forget it. It was, pretty, it, was, it was singular in anything I felt. Yeah. I mean, I would say that having followed the journey through our social media posts and just Twitter and social media in general, leading up to the game, it made the game feel that much bigger. Because again, on broadcast, it was hard to tell what was really going on. I mean, yeah. and obviously, because the, the game is most important, it's, it's noise. But if, if you, prior to the match, had followed you know, the marches and things like that, you kind of got a sense of why Taylor and, and John kept saying, you know, it's, it's crazy in here. It's louder than I've ever, ever heard it. It's louder than I've ever heard an MLS game. The atmosphere is better than any MLS game we've ever been to, which is high praise. Yeah. And it, it, the best part is it just seems like each time that those comp- that that bar is raised, that we seem to be a part of it in one way or the other, which is, I think, the greatest compliment to LAC. It is. And John Champ had seen everything. And I spoke to him, and he was like, this is impressed. I mean, when I spoke to him, he was a little taken back of something we'll talk about, about the fouling and the sh- shenanigans, for lack of a better word, at the end of the game, which you yeah. don't want to see. So that was his last taste in his mouth. But then we talked about it. He goes, hey, I mean, this is sign me up for this every week yeah. now that I'm at this position. So it was... 
it, it was something to behold. And this rivalry is real. I mean, there was a lot of respectful Timber or Portland fans, uh, really impressed by it and welcoming it. And you know, there's going to be where there's dislike to teams. There's going to be feistiness, and maybe it wasn't really so much on here. You you were you were saying, is it going to get there? And it didn't. Uh, maybe one day it will, but there that but that intense feeling is what you want, mm-hmm. and that's why you circle the calendar uh, for these games. Maybe they'll run into each other in the postseason. Unlikely in Providence Park, unless something really weird happens. Yep, <laughs> the Don't second half happen. of the season. I mean, all right. they, I think the game mostly lived up to it. I, it I, did. We, we do all have a bad taste in our mouth because of the stuff we're going to talk about in the next segment. But the first forty-five minutes for me were nearly flawless for LFC, and I mean they were so good. And, it, and it, but it, but the thing was they were so. But wait good. a minute, Why? you're uh, wasn't Giovanni Savarese said it was kind of. Oh, Gio's the worst. <laughs> you tweeted about that, and I was like, "Come on, Gio, I love you, but come yeah, on, calm it down." Yeah, Joe. Okay, yeah, so for people that don't know, at halftime, Gio Savarese gets uh, gets the halftime interview. Fine with me. Um, he's at home and he's he's proud of his place, and he says, "Oh yeah, I thought it was a, I thought it was close. I thought we were very close." And I'm thinking, yeah. uh, first of all, it's two zero. It's not close on the scoreline one. Almost three, almost four, almost four maybe yeah. even five. Uh, it wasn't close. That first 45 minutes were close. Now, I will say this. In hindsight, good for him, the response that they had in the next 45. But those 45 minutes were, it was all LSC. And, and it was Portland trying to do what they do best. Yeah. They just could not handle it. So that's why I think that 45 minutes was such a, because here's the thing. It's driving me crazy. The amount of people that are like, well, when you pass the ball to Carlos Vela, of course, you're gonna, bad things are going to happen. Yeah. But it wasn't just that. No, like after no, that, no, it continued even. to be just an onslaught. Again, that second goal is, is something. It's not going to be in a goal of the week anytime soon. But if you break it down and just the components of it, especially in the uh, of the lens of what LAFC wants to do and what Portland wants to do, I mean, the fact that they just cut through a team that puts seven, eight guys behind the ball and we're able to, in three, four passes to go vertical and then get a get basically a cutback. Yeah, it was a track meet at a lot of times. They, yeah. Like you said, got vertical. That's what they did. And Brian Fernandez, anonymous yeah. for the first 45 minutes. I mean, Walker and and Eddie Segura were were phenomenal. And it wasn't just that they were just running with him everywhere he goes. They were letting him run offside. They were letting him go do his things. And they just they were so in tune. And there was times, and that second goal, Walker steps up into the play. I mean, he's marauding forward. There's other yeah, times where... he has a license to drive. Yeah, there was other times where Eddie was 10 yards past the center circle. I mean, they were phenomenal. Um, and then Portland flipped the script a little bit in the second half. In hindsight, I, when I look at this game, I was pretty confident LAFC was going to win. And part of it was because I think, and, and when I saw it firsthand, Portland was really tightly wound. There was even a, a protest with their, I mean, they had so much going on. So much going on. I mean, it, it, there's no, you don't have to give any excuses, but I saw it. And I think when you invest so much in there, and LAFC was so carefree. It's our last game, you know, if we lose it. I mean, this is me saying this. If you lose it, you're disappointed, but, you know, yeah, no water off your back. You're, like, moving on. Uh, but there was this sense there was every game prior to that, it was building up towards this. And when you see LA, I, I think I did say it was going to win. But 3-2 seems about right, but after the first half, you figured to be a little bit more. And I think, you know, Bob was pretty critical about the way things started, and we'll talk more about it in the second half, but it must be impossible to maintain that level for LAFC. They hit them when they needed to. At that opening game when everything is still new, and look, playing it, playing on the road for so long, that adjusts your brain a certain way for these players. And when you get home, not only you're home, but you're in front of this 
cauldron. Yeah. That's got to take a toll on you. And I think LAFC knew that, and as they do in every game, came out and they found the space, as you pointed out, and got the goals. Yeah, I mean, I think there's some high-level points that you can point to from last season that you would have liked to see a change, and this year they've nailed it in almost every single match. One is mentality. I mean, LAFC went there, and like you said, they look kind of carefree. They actually enjoyed it. They really enjoy, like, a if that if that play, if we go to Portland and that place is not full and people are not cheering, I feel like LAFC is less up for that game. But the fact that it's brimming to the top and, and it is kind of hostile, LAFC is like, yeah, let's go. Let's embrace this. Let's go. The other thing is the ability to kind of weather adversity. So that, that second 45, again, credit to Portland, they, they decide. Uh, so the LFC is used to us defending deep. How about if we just send those eight guys into their half and see what happens? And they made things happen, I think. Yeah. We weren't quite ready for that pace. Um, fluffed our lines a few times coming out the back, and they started sending in crosses. Love your terminology. Yeah, started getting second, second balls. Um, and they were able to, to make something happen. But then LFC flips the script again and says, okay, we've... We see what you guys are doing. They go out and get that goal from Latif. So I think that's something we didn't see a lot of last season. And finally, they held on, 3-2. I mean, of all the talk last year, all, all I would hear all the time, oh, we need defenders in the last 10 minutes. Why, why can't somebody just defend in the last 10 minutes? Where are you now? Like, it's, they seem to have it figured out. And I think it's, again, it's, it's not just the last 10 minutes. It's that response from the opening minute. We are up for this game. We want to play in big games. Yeah, and, you and we want to, we want to push back. And it that's what then gets you into that final 10 minutes where you can say, look, guys, we've done this for 80 minutes. We know we can do it for another 10 plus an, another eight or whatever they added on. That, that I'll tell you, what was it like in the stands during stoppage time? I, the stands I had walked up, I went up to the... Uh, the media area and I started making it down to do some interviews to the field so I left there and once you got away from that corner it, it, it like I said everything blended in um so I, I I looked from afar so I didn't see how it all turned down there but it was still electric when you went all over the place I want to touch on a couple things you you mentioned about Latif you said something on Monday in our meeting you go let's stop looking at Latif for the cute dances and maybe we do get carried away but we got to look at him as in a really important consistently excellent player Every week. And now goals in back-to-back games certainly attest that. Game-winning goal in this case. Yeah, Hang that on your, uh, on your season credentials there mm-hmm. for Latif is huge. And a guy that is adding things to his game. His game continues to evolve. So, you, again, I, I love Latif for everything he is as, as a personality and a person, and he is all those things. I mean, I, I remember one time last year John came in, came in to talk to the digital team was like, Man, whatever you guys are doing with Latif, it's it's sticking because everyone seems <laughs> to love him. And we look back and we go, we're not doing anything. He's just being him. Like that's him. People love him, and and rightfully so. But as a as a soccer player and as a guy that we've made big points on this, like to go from being a winger to a fullback to a central midfielder and a team that relies on its midfield so much is not an easy task. And now we're talking about him adding things to his game. Two games in a row, late runs, two goals. Like that's not easy to do. You don't just run out and it, late runs aren't just the fact that you just wait till late and run you got to pick your spots yep. and I mean he saw Christian Ramirez go to the near post and there was just the sea had parted and and the ball from Jordan Harvey fantastic yep. and all Latif had to do was just cushion it down but yeah all the time well I think he could have took it down probably pull a few moves and then put it in just but it was it's a smart run it's really smart because if he makes that run at any other given time when maybe it's not the right time well then when we go to counter press where's Latif and then the counter press breaks down, and then everything breaks down. So it's important for him to recognize heavy workload. Yeah, but yeah, you have head on a swivel. Yeah, 
But um, it's by the way that Harvey character, he might have a few more years left still in him. I know. So I mean, yeah, just remarkable what he's been able to do. And two road, obviously LAFC off. They'll be on the road a lot. U.S. Open Cup at Real Salt Lake. We'll see what happens if they advance at Colorado June twenty eighth at Sporting July third. And when I think of Portland now, LAFC is a is a hot ticket. So if in those markets, if you're listening, why shouldn't you be listening? You've got to keep up with the Joneses. There's a good scouting utensil for uh, you, you, you fans in those markets. You'd come out to see LAFC. I think there's a, a real good possibility. I also want to add, like I was perusing here through MLSsoccer.com, and I guess sometimes on your, your searches, they show stuff that would be interesting to you on the side panels. Mm-hmm. Toto Tickets for Toto at the Wiltern came up. I did not search that at all, but it, it popped up there. Well, you know, when, when Weezer covers Africa, and now you just got to get the band back together, yeah. get a few I'm more bad. of them dollar bills. I think there's only one living member of Toto, so, and, well, there's Toto. There it is. And no one can name them. Uh, the, wait, there, there are three no brothers. No one in the band is named Toto, is it? No, no. Okay. Porcaro. Porcaro were the brothers. It was one living member of the Porcaros. All right, well, let's... let's Put a bow on that right there, and let's talk about because even Latif, who's one of the more fouled players in Major League Soccer, correct? Yes. His numbers are way up there. He puts a lot of minutes. Just behind Carlos Vela. This was a discussion coming out of there. Uh, there was video about Carlos Vela getting, in the words of some, uh, it was Jogo Benito, a Twitter handle, which was retweeted by Taylor Twelman and others, uh, using the word mauled. So we'll talk about that a little bit and the direction of LFC and protecting their star player and protecting all players, and we'll also kind of give our feedback as to why things ended the way they did. Mm-hmm. Is that accurate? Yes. And then we also have Tristan Blackman. I think that's fair and balanced. Fair and balanced. All right. This is Inside LAFC. We'll be right back. We're back on Inside LAFC. LAFC ending essentially the first half of their season with a 3-2 win in Portland. That is road win number four, correct? I believe. I, I know we're tied for first, road wins. Right. And now uh, nine points up on their closest pursuer in any conference. I mean, you can even take your foot off the pedal a little bit, which they will not. Nope. And get towards not only being best in the West, but the supporter shield and everything that comes with it, it would be a remarkable thing. Uh, June the 11th. LAFC against Real Salt Lake. You can see that on ESPN+. Plus. I will be, I'll be getting down to Fort Lauderdale. I told MLS I'd, I would love to call that game, and they've approved. And Real Salt Lake, this, one's good. this is not going to be your typical LAFC broadcast. This one's going to be down the middle because I want to give Real Salt Lake their due as well. So I am a nonpartisan. Partisan. Nonpartisan. Nonpartisan. Nonpartisan, sorry. <laughs> oh, you're going to have a rough go. I know, but this is the situation I put it in, but I'm happy to be involved. I think I'm the right person to call Come on, LA. Max. You're doing with Charlie Davies. Let him take yes. the RSL side and you just... No, I won't. So, equal excitement for goals well, or lack of excitement for goals. Or, you know, LFC just could play him off the park and you don't have any choice but to praise yeah, him. Yeah, that could be. It would seem it's heading that direction. LFC will miss a few key players off of international duty. But there's one, one guy that I know will be there. Carlitos? Yeah. That's not fair. See. <laughs> That is not fair, but deal with it. And what a, what a, I mean, could you ask for a, I don't want to get off topic here, but could you ask for a more perfect designated player? It's impossible. No international duty, in your prime, loves your team, 
is facing the crowd, so to speak, with this team when it comes to training. Um, makes makes a, a good amount of money, but earns every penny, I would see. And it's still marketable beyond belief in not just this country, but in Mexico and, and Spain and probably be other places. Yeah, he fits. He's perfect. This is exactly, and he doesn't he doesn't leave. Yeah, he fits the vision, right? Yeah. You know, it's it's like they they left no stone unturned in, in how they wanted to do things, and they said, look, this is what we want to do. We have a kind of narrow view of how we want to do it. Let's not go outside of it. Let's not deviate. But there was still, you know, it's still Carlos. Things could still happen. But he's been everything we've wanted and more. And the guys in the locker room, I mean, it's he's a cool guy to be around. He's he's a different kind of captain, but the kind of captain that I think this group needs more than anything. Yeah. He's touched on this, and uh, my colleague, who I'll be on Taste of LFC, uh, former colleague Hercules Gomez, good friend, we're going to have on Taste of LFC, and I'll ask him about this, but there was a time, and he's, he's uh, adamant about it, Herc, saying there was a year or two in the Spanish League, the best three players were Messi, Ronaldo, and Vela, what he did for Real Sociedad, and Carlos has touched on that. He goes, I, I don't get enough credit. I go, you're, you're damn right you don't, because you don't hear anything about that, but he helped the team that made the Champions League, was yeah. a teammate of Antoine Griezmann, and did incredible things. And I say it's a perfect DP. Then I say, there's not many like this. I don't think there's another – there is no one like this. Everything else, you have to take a little baggage, right? Say you got Lionel Messi. Yeah. It's going to come with some – I mean, you get the greatest player in the world, but there's going to come with some issues. Yeah, heavy baggage. Heavy baggage, right? I mean, there's you one, can look just – He can't walk the streets. Even L.A. Yeah, you can look just down south. You got you got that guy down there. I mean, it's all about him. Yeah. It's all about Zlatan. I mean, it's it's him and then the rest of the team. Look, Carlos is leading this team, but it, this is definitely a team, and he deflects everything. You yeah. know, I, it, people don't get to hear usually the questions from the press conferences, but it's always like, Carlos, how are you, how are you so good? Carlos, what about the MVP? Carlos, what about this? And he literally just kind of says, look, I want to be the best player I can be. And by being the best player I can be, I will take my team to great places. But you have so many players that it's always, uh, it's, it's me, it's me, it's me. I mean, yeah. He, yeah. If, if he scores a goal and they lose, he's like, I don't care. We lost. Yeah. Great goal. Look at, put, put in the coffers. That DC United game was, uh, was fantastic. They had a great game. He got asked a question. Hey, everything that you touch seems to turn to gold. And the first thing he does without, without even missing a beat is turn to the reporter and say, Hey man, I missed a penalty. So not everything I do is great. He was he was pissed yeah. that he missed a penalty, but we won coasting in that match. Yep. So yeah, he gets it. I'm looking at renderings of a, a potential Las Vegas MLS stadium on the strip. It better be indoors. Kind of. So <laughs> it's a little bit indoors. Um, we're gonna have a lot of teams in Major League Soccer. I think we're headed well past 30 teams. Let's get back onto the rails here, and we're talking about Carlos Vela. And the fouling. I know you probably have some data here to talk about the numbers. We looked at it, and he's up there as a team. They're the most fouled te uh, team. Yes. And people say maybe they're calling two whistles, but it's getting to the point where this game, where there was so much and so many early ones and what you would think are innocuous but were not, that aren't getting called, or one that's getting called and is a yellow is just being called a standard foul, and one that's being called as a yellow that may have been a red card. And I see it, and this is, I know we have a tilted view here because it's the team we cover, but when you see something the way it ended, not just the foul on Carlos Vela, the, the really gnarly one as well on Latif from Villafania, where guys are, are just being shot out of a rocket at times. Uh, it, you, you put your heart in your throat. 
Jordan Harvey took a really nasty tackle from Diego Chara as well, like high up on the ankle, a full studs just wrapped around his ankle. I mean, there were some really tough ones. And Carlos is not the most fouled player in MLS. It's Nico Ladero. Okay. Uh, he's second, though. And Latif he's is up third. There. I believe I said he was up there. Yeah, no, he's up there. The no, thing you're that's right. crazy is Latif is third, because, and Latif goes at such a pace. So does Rossi. He's just so hard to get, get off the ball. Rossi is viewed as this fabricator. And sometimes he's, he's trying to get a competitive edge, and I, I applaud him for that. It's important. Well, you, you can get away with stuff, get away with it. Wouldn't you say that after this match, it makes that much more sense why Diego yes. does things like that? Yes. Because Carlos, look, Carlos goes Carlos down. Carlos never does it, and kinda, maybe he should. Kind of holds his shin, you know, and then gets back up. And that's just, look, to each player, I say to each their own. If that's your personality, the way you go down. For anybody that says, well, why do they go down so crazy? Look, run as fast as you can. Let me trip you at any given moment. See, see what happens. You're going to roll around a little bit. It's going to hurt. I mean, it comes out of nowhere. Look, you're not expecting to be fouled. Um, but, yeah, Carlos is second. It, it makes sense to me because there's been some games where we've really blown teams out. So why would you be fouling? And hope, well, hopefully, why would you be fouling? So that, that makes sense to me. I, I have some reservations with, with Taylor Tolman. And okay. I will say this. I will pretense it by saying this. Taylor's not the only one that says this. This is a, a common thing that's thrown around the world for guys like Eden Hazard, Leo Messi. So Taylor is just kind of parroting things that a lot of people say, and I, I don't even really blame him. But the idea that Carlos holds on to the ball for too long and that is what is causing problems, I, again, I feel for Taylor. I feel like, because he even had to say in the broadcast, I know you feel like I, all I do is talk good things about LAFC or Carlos. So I felt like he was trying to find, he's trying to find too What fine else can of, he say? Yeah, he's trying to find too fine of a point. But this idea that a player holds on to the ball for too long, so that's what's causing fouls. So let me get this straight then. So if we follow that logic, you hold on to the ball for too long, so holding on to the ball for a second longer, shouldn't that give a player more time to get a correct tackle in? Or does well, interesting. Does holding on to the ball for a second longer mean that the guy loses his mind and is unable to properly win the ball? It just makes zero sense to me. So to Taylor and those that use that line of, of thinking, I feel like one is antiquated. It's from the dudes back in the day that were like, yeah, he had the ball too long, so I went in there and I got in, stuck in, and I taught him a lesson. All right, but no, it doesn't make sense. It just does not make sense. So you hold the ball too long, and a guy fouls you hard, well, those are cards. Those are yellow cards, and Carlos should not take any blame for that. I mean, look, were there times when he was baiting Viafania a little bit? Yes. but I, Well, I would say at those moments where he held the ball on too long, I thought tactically it was a great idea because you're in front, you're trying to keep the ball out of their possession and it did the job yeah. and he did bait him but he stopped and he started he took the ball into the corner and then you're yeah. talking 30 seconds a minute off the clock that's killing off the game which is exactly what you needed to do at yeah, that if point if Viafania has proven he cannot cleanly get the ball from you and any times that he is not able to foul you you're going to go right by him which he did a lot in the first half why wouldn't you take that guy one-on-one -on -one all day and you know, in basketball, we don't complain if a guy goes one on one with a guy and picks up, gets fouls for other, for, uh, you know, gets a guy to foul out. But in soccer, for some reason, it's it's the attacking player's fault. It just seems ridiculous. It just it just it's counterintuitive to what we want. I'll say this: Robert Sabiga was actually our was our referee in the yeah. SKC game. Yeah. The old home I opener. I believe MLS Cup last season, so highly regarded. Cup. I actually he's, regarded. he's one of or my All Star game maybe it was, but either way, he's yeah. highly regarded. He's actually one of my usually my go-to refs better ref I think yeah, I, w I agree with you and he usually gets the kind of persistent infringement I still think we who's have your least favorite ref don't answer that <laughs> don't answer uh, that. but I it's a fun discussion I think yeah I think he normally gets the gist of the persistent infringement but for whatever reason just kind of lost it this yeah. Howard this Webb match. was there 
Yeah. Your guy. Howard Webb seems to Said hello to him. Yeah, he seems to go to a lot of our games. He must enjoy yeah. our soccer a little yeah, bit. Yeah, but maybe that's the thing that's good because he kind of calls the shots. They're pro. Um, it was interesting to see the discussions being had right when all the, it got out of hand there. And it was uh, via Fine and, and Bob, I don't know what was said, but it was pretty civil conversation going back and forth, at least what it would appear. And then Sebastian Blanco with a bunch of guys. Uh, <laughs> don't challenge who, Ante Razov. who came, he got out to Ante Razov. Ante gave me some, uh, some cliff notes as to what was said. And then Atuesta was also involved in there who, uh, yeah, this is me saying it, but you know, he he stopped Blanco and gave a little bit of back to him and got a yellow card, and I was like, yes. But, but I that, would say that, that was cl- to your point too. But that was cleaner than any of their hard. Oh yeah. Too. Oh yeah. Which is so so Atuesta goes. But that's out what there. I think. Atuesta, the, el profe, just the genius where you do it. Where it, I think there was it was clean, but I mean, he's a, he's a slight guy, but he's a strong he's a strong dude, and he kind of. I think it kind of got, ac- got got across because you can't get away with that. And this is not a statement against fouling in general. Fouls can be important tactically, uh, but there's a right and a wrong way to do that. There was a lot of fouls, like you said, that were just what 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 are we doing? Like this is a red card, or or as some people like to say, this is an orange card. But uh, it, they, when you s- compare those those fouls with what Edward did to get a yellow, it, you see the the difference in the mindset. Like, fouls can be useful. Fouls can send messages. You don't have to send them the way they were doing it at the end. I mean, Cascante decked Carlos in the back of the head at one point. That's ridiculous. And I, I think the fines and possible suspensions have come out for the week, and there's no one. So we're going to sweep it under the rug. And uh, it, it worries me a little bit that w- it's been such a talking point, yet nothing has come of it. I would hope that going down the line we see some changes. Last time we talked about it, last time Bob brought it up, there were – there were changes yeah. to the refereeing the following match, so it'll probably be forgotten by the like MLS game at least. But I, it did work there. But you can't say it every time. No, you can't. But he was. I, he did use the analogy. It was like does Lionel Messi get 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 fouled like that? And again, people say you can't compare it to, and you probably can't. But I think in this instance, it's important to get that across because Carlos Vela is as important um, to LAFC, or he he kind of plays that same role. He beats guys. And then he gets fouled some way that Lionel Messi beats guys, but doesn't get fouled. So I, I just think it's any food for thought you can put out there from Bob is probably well served here. Well, I think the, the bigger point that Bob was making that we just made was this. It's the types of fouls. Carlos can handle fouls. He can handle being fouled. I mean, usually it's, I seem to look every match and he takes four to five fouls a match. There's eight. Eight fouls. He, eight times he was fouled in this match. And I would say four of them are ones that do not belong in the game. It's okay to trip a guy, to take him down, to to put a guy to the ground, to go in a little bit hard, but the studs up stuff, the late stuff, the the stuff from behind, it just it does not belong. It really doesn't. And that's I think that's the point Bob's making. If Messi gets ripped open like like Conte Carlos did for some exactly of Exactly like that. Yeah. Where you're like, don't do it. Oh jeez. Yeah, for some of those, there's gonna be cards because the it just doesn't happen. I think that's his point. The egregious nature doesn't happen to Messi. Yes, Messi gets mauled in the fact that he picks up five to eight fouls a match because he's on the ball, and that's what he does. But I just I don't think they're as egregious as what Carlos has. And just I mean, there wasn't enough yellow cards. There definitely should have been a red card at some point, but no. nothing. I will say this. Now, LAFC has one more game on artificial surface against the Revolution down the road. We came down there. It's a brand-new uh, field. Uh, I, I, I walked around, and I immediately felt this, that the sponginess, which was was really not giving a lot. And as I watched some of those games, I think there were some tackles that were bad. I think there were some tackles that, if done on a natural surface, 
would not have looked as bad because it did not give. I almost want to give Villafania that with the Latif blessing because he kind of came in and then his his movement stopped mm-hmm. and it caused a, a collision. But I saw that a couple times and I think that is part of the equation here. And it's unfortunate. And I think one day, and I, I think Merritt Pulse has been asked about that, one day grass might will grow at Providence Park. And it makes sense because it's Portland, which is green. Think of everything green. Yeah. And it would look great there. There's still a lot of stadiums. I don't think we can do much about Atlanta. You can't, I think you can alter that right now. Cincinnati's doing it. But this is one, if you can get, a, if you can get close to 100% grass, just like can you get pl- close to 100% um, soccer-specific stadiums, I think that's great. And I think this was a, a, a piece where you can circle and go, this is part of the criteria why you need to get grass there at some point. Because those, those challenges... When it's getting intense and you're going to the ground, which you don't want to on that surface, you go to the ground, things like that happen. Yeah, I think Atlanta will be the last of the new teams allowed in that can say, well, we're going to have an artificial surface. I think you can start on it because, yeah, if you have to build a stadium, you have to have time to do that. But I don't think there's going to be any places that are going to say, here's our renderings, and by the way, it's going to be turf. I don't think it's going to happen ever again. Yeah. Maybe if New England gets something, gets a, uh, a new park in Boston, Maybe a new owner. Maybe <laughs> new coach. Oh, they have one. And they were victorious uh, under his watch for the first time. That would be an, uh, that would be a slam dunk as well. But I think th- there's optimism they will go there. But I hope that we get to that point. And yeah. I know it's near and dear to you. I know it's near and dear to Bob as well. And it just makes the game. It's, it, it, I was looking at the ball bounce around a fair bit. Yeah. And it, it, it affects Portland too. And they have beautiful players that could probably knock it around nice. And Valeri and Blanco. Yeah. Brian Fernandez is... A remarkable talent, and I, I know I said it last week, but they signed him at, at a very pretty penny, and he was the second leading scorer in Liga MX when he left. Yeah, for a team that was a perennial playoff team, mm-hmm. this is a this is a world talent that you would compete against good European teams to get that signature. Yeah, it makes you wonder if they did have to pay a little bit more to entice someone to come to Portland. Yeah. I mean, they, they had would, to had to. They would try to say maybe you know guys don't know what Portland is. They don't know what it's about. So we have to lure them kind of, kind of the way that like sporting KC says it's tough to get guys out to Kansas city. But I guarantee you, if you go to Kansas city and go to Portland and you see Kansas city stadium, you see all that grass and you see the, the training facility, you might decide to go to Kansas city instead of Portland when you see the turf. Yep. I would. I'm interested to see what the traveling support's going to be like for Kansas city. We get that. Yeah. That's coming up. LFC away days. They're a thing. Hey, international tournaments are coming, so I want to get. We have a collective thought here on the Women's World Cup. Yeah, right. Let's do do a quick one. On a it. very quick one, and uh, we wish the the U.S. the best. The reigning, uh, I don't think you can say defending champs. Reigning champs. It's a reigning different champs. World Cup. Reigning champs, fully loaded for another run. Uh, two things stick out to me, which I which make me feel that the U.S. will not win it. Don't no, stop. Stop the booing. I can hear you from here. I'm a true-blooded American. I think the European teams are so much better, and they'll have that advantage. Much as we've seen the the, the World Cup in Russia or, or it's similar ones of, of that nature where the European teams are good. Mm-hmm. France has got the best players in the world, uh, not from top to bottom, but at the top t- 20 players, they're there. I think that's going to make it difficult. England, Netherlands will be there, Germany. And then uh, we've seen so many World Cups. When you bring everybody back, coach included. Marcello Lippi. It doesn't I've, work. I've lived it. <laughs> it literally lived I've it. I've seen it. And I, 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 it's like the Einstein thing. You know, I go, look, uh, same results. Yep. If you bring everyone back a little bit older, 
Yeah. The hunger from the teams out there is going to do it. So I hope I'm wrong. I see Andrea Pirlo walking out on the field, and I think, hey, Carly Lloyd. <laughs> Carly Lloyd's walking Wait out on the a field. Minute, is it? And look, the 2015 tournament was one of the most exciting tournaments I've ever watched. That U.S. team was so much fun to watch. And, but we saw at that time that, yeah, that gap is definitely closed. Yeah. They're not, and and they're not, they're not going to sneak up on anybody. No, and that's why that tournament was so exciting. They, they went toe-to-toe with teams that literally could play against them. It wasn't just, hey, we're going to roll into the final, and then maybe we have a tough match. It's the gap. It, there's no more gap. Yeah. Um, yeah, you go to Europe, you're going to— Some new faces there, but not really. The core is the core. Yeah, you know, definitely Morgan new faces. Morgan and Rapino yeah. and uh, Julie Ertz and obviously Carly Lloyd. There's a reason why historically it's tough for a coach slash man- manager to repeat. Becky, of course. Um, and then, yeah, that, that core. I mean, I, look, I, I'm being hard on Carly, Carly Lloyd. She's not going to start. She's going to be more of a bench presence. So it's not like she's being thrown out there. But, you know, still Rapino, still Alex Morgan. I just I feel like uh, some more changes would have been nice. Yeah. Maybe And maybe in order to do that, you need a manager that is willing to trust I more put their hand, Well, with with. The Carly Lloyd thing, it's great to have, but it's got nothing. If you have such a venerated figure, even if they're not playing, uh, or they are, to have them there, and I'm trying to think of a comparison in the Men's World Cup, which I felt was a bit of a distraction because you still kind of, for lack of a better expression, have to kiss the ring a bit because yeah. that's the big star on the bench, and you feel like the eyes, they're, they're always there. And I, I wonder if the positives, um, unless she's going to produce on the field, the negatives outweigh the positives in that case, just because you want the team to be liberated and free to express themselves yeah. without kind of looking over their shoulder. I mean, no one's really been able to pull it off I mean, in the modern era in, in the World Cup. You can say Spain's run um, from the from Euro to Euro with a World Cup yep. in between. I mean, that's phenomenal. They didn't change much over. but That's yeah, the in outlier. A, in, a World Cup, in a World Cup, it just does not work. Italy has fallen twice. Marcello yep. Lippi, and then 82 to 86. Twice it, they've, it hey, hasn't worked. Marcello, he did so good. That's a terrible. All right. Well, there you go. Sorry to, to rain on your parade, but I've been wrong before. Not a lot. Vince, all the time. All the time. Uh, but, well, there we go. Uh, that will start um, this week, so enjoy it. June 7th. Great summer soccer. We have the Gold Cup. Your credentials just got approved, so I'll see you there yeah. at the Rose Bowl on the 15th. Yes. For Canada Martinique, and then yes. we're going to take off before Mexico. No, we're going to stay for Mexico. Uh, okay. We'll stay for next. It's just a drive. you got to get out before the game ends, so that I will be doing. My favorite Mexican player won't be there. Carlitos? Oh, yeah, we shouldn't get into that. <sighs> it's an interesting story. And then Copa America with Messi and Argentina. Neymar, who just landed in Brazil camp in his private uh, helicopter. Talk about distractions. And they're the host. I can't wait for that tournament, too. So enjoy it. Up, Tristan Blackman. You're going to sit down with them. I'm going to sit down with them. I have questions for you are going to share. Yes. And we just put a nice, another, another bow on Inside LAFC. So uh, we'll have that interview when we return. TB, UOP. Welcome back, everybody. Inside LAFC. You do not have to adjust your headphones, or if you're watching, adjust the, I wouldn't say television set because this is on YouTube, but yeah. <laughs> I've, uh, I've substituted, I've traded up Max Bredos for Tristan Blackman. Tristan, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. No, thank you very much. How Appreciate was, uh, training's been a little bit, uh, I wouldn't say lighter, no. uh, but there's a, there's a definite 
vibe where you guys got to have maybe just a couple days off this past week? How's that been? Yeah, no, it was good to have a, you know, a few days off after the last game. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to be back in training. I think everybody is too. So it's going to be a good week. I would assume for you, and I don't want to make too much of an assumption, but the past few weeks that you've had, you've probably been chomping at the bit more than maybe some of the other guys to, to get back and to kind of continue the run of form you've had. Tell me, tell me a little bit about these past two weeks because you got your first MLS goal, first mm-hmm. MLS assist in the past two weeks. What's, what's it been like? Yeah, no, it's definitely been a grind. I, I mean, you know, getting your first goal is a huge step in your career as a, you know, as a young player. So um, I think that gave me momentum into the past week of training just – being so excited to be back in it and then obviously this week this past weekend in uh in Portland um getting my first assist as well was was awesome so I'm very excited to you know keep pushing on and keep this uh this thing going as a young player what what is it like does it is it one of those things where it feels like wow all of a sudden things kind of do roll in because I've had conversations with Bob over numerous topics Mm -hmm. and we always talk about how things aren't linear um, and he tries to tell you guys, like, you know, your progress is never going to be linear. There's going to be setbacks. Sure. We're going to have to work on things. Mm-hmm. How do you keep that in perspective? And then, like I said, is there a moment where you feel like, I don't know, the lights turn on? Like, what is the feeling like? No, yeah, I think uh, I think the goal might have been, it might not even have been the goal, just like the game, being in the game against Montreal was like my, my light switch. Um, I feel like things were clicking. Um, you know, passes were going where I thought they were going to go or wanted them to go. Um, position-wise, I felt really good and in the game. So I think definitely that was, like, my light switch. Like, not necessarily a wake-up call because I've always been awake and, like, you know, in the game and, and in the past. And um, But, yeah, I think my trajectory is, like, on a good level right now. Um, and, yeah, I think keeping the pace, you just have to be ready to, like, go in training every day and say, I need to – like you can't get content. You have to remind yourself that there's still things that you can work on every day. And the coaches do a very good job of reminding me like, okay, you know, you've been doing good, but there's things to like to work on. So um, it's not just coming from me. Like it's definitely from the coaching staff too, like pushing me every day. And I'm super appreciative of that because, you know, I'm in this position because of them and they push me to be the best player that I can be. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, training, you know, it's it almost becomes cliche that we talk about how much training informs your game, the way you train, the way you play. We've, we've heard that a million times. Yeah, for sure. Um, you're one that, I, I, in my previous conversation I've talked with you, you've, you've talked about wanting to be not just good, but better than good. Yeah. You know, it's a phrase I like to use with Max a lot is, at LAFC, being good is not good enough. Right, yeah. Right, and so what is it What is it about your, your kind of mentality that has allowed you to maybe be uh, cognizant of your focus and your positioning, but also willing to say, hey, I'm going to have to maybe make a mistake to step up and make a play, or at least put myself in a position where, like, if I make a mistake, I'm going to have to be okay with it because right. what my reward is going to be is going to be something better than what I was, you know, playing it safe. Yeah, no, I think it's definitely a mentality. You have to be willing to, you know, sacrifice a lot in order to get the reward that you want. So I think last year for sure, um, I went through times where I felt like, you know, I'm doing the work, like, when's my chance going to come? Or, you know, am I not doing enough? Or what am I doing wrong? Can I be doing, like, more at the end of training to, you know, show the coaches that, you know, I want this? And I think throughout the end of last year, like, going to Phoenix, being on that loan scent, gave me confidence coming back 
um, into this year, and I was very focused this year on like what I wanted to do um, to help the team and to better myself. So I think it's definitely a mentality of being aggressive and not being afraid. That's an, I think that's the number one thing. Last year I played in the games and I wasn't I wasn't like myself. I didn't feel like you know. I was ready to win every single tackle or press every single moment that I could. So I think this year has definitely been a huge step for me in that note. And I think, yeah, the number one thing for me is just don't be afraid to be, like, making mistakes because, you know, that's how you learn. So, um, yeah, even in training when you mess up, you know, brush it off your shoulder and, you know, move on to the next one. And, again, the coaches definitely, like, not harp on me but remind me, you know, it's okay to make mistakes because that's how you're going to get better. So. Right, and one one of the things that Bob brought up after his Montre- after the Montreal game, where you really pushed the initiative. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember there was one moment that I think, the moment that led to Latif's goal. There was a moment where you oh, were yeah. kind of you were backpedaling for a second, but you you saw a ball be a little slack. And I think mm-hmm. in that moment, we saw you really kick into gear, where you're like, "This is my moment. This is where I'm going to step forward." And you did. Yeah. Um, and you you basically broke up the play. The play goes forward. Goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Bob brought up Sergio Ramos, and I know. Yeah, he's I know people. To me before. Yeah, I know people like to tweak Bob because he's. They're like, "Why are you bringing up these players?" But can you can you illuminate for people that don't understand? Because even when I when I played, and I'm very old, uh, even when I played, uh, the best coaches that I had would always show me a player, and it's not so much to tell you like you're gonna be this player, right? right? Tell me, tell me why they're doing that for you. No, it's just they see tendencies that you have and qualities that you have that might remind you know, you have a certain player. So they think that if you're able to watch this person, so for instance, they've told me Sergio Ramos or, you know, Kyle Walker at times, um, they see things that you do on a day-to-day basis that um, kind of reflect in the games that those players play. So um, it's not necessarily like, oh, you're going to be the next Sergio Ramos or, or, you know, like Kyle Walker, but you have the abilities that they have and you just need to keep pushing because – they've gotten to the level because they've grinded and, you know, um, put their qualities to use. So if you can figure out how to do that, you know, you're going to better yourself. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be them, but you're going to be your the best self that you can, you know, if that makes sense. No, it does. I mean, I, I always thought for me that what it did was expanded my imagination. Yeah. Because if you think about it, like you're out there, you're obviously giving your best. Mm. Sometimes you maybe feel like, well, I don't know what more I can do for you guys. So is it is seeing those guys, does that kind of say like, hey, look at the way this guy did it. Maybe I can try that on the training ground and then maybe bring that to to a match day. Is that oh, exactly. the kind of thing? Yeah, exactly. You you look at film and you see, you know, their habits on the field and you say, oh, maybe I can tweak my game in a bit or in a certain way to, you know, be like them um, in your own way, of course. But yeah, they have, um, I mean, they're at the top of the, the level um, in this game and they, you know, day in and day out on the pitch have habits that are very good that you can, you know, demonstrate in your in your type of, um, you know, style of play. So, yeah, I think it's a very good, you know, thing for not even just young guys, but just players in general to watch, you know, people at the peak of their game um, and try to emulate certain things that they do because it helps for sure. Yeah. Was there any guys that you, you kind of picked out on your own besides what the coaching staff were? Or are you guys aligning? Do you guys see that you're like, oh, yeah, I, I kind of like that dude too? No, yeah. I think I've definitely watched Sergio Ramos before um, many times at uh, like in college. And um, I definitely watched um, like Sergio Roberto, PK, 
all these great players. So it's cool to see that they, you know, see some qualities that you have that, you know, resonate with those players too. So, yeah. So a lot of people probably, uh, them, if, if, if they are able to stop you in the street, LFC fans, I'm sure they want to know, like, what is it like playing on the right side? And I mean, you have a connection with Carlos Vela, yeah. especially in these past few games. Mm-hmm. I just, we just sat down with you and we broke down a goal. We talked yeah. a little bit about yeah. your relationship on the pitch and how it goes back and forth. I want to know more than anything is like in this Portland game, you're close by when Carlos is getting fouled. Like, what is he saying to you when you run over to pick him up? Is he like, <laughs> is he, is he in a good mood? Is he, he kind of knows the the drill. This is how it goes. Yeah. Like what kind of things are happening on the pitch? No, it's definitely chippy. Um, he got fouled so many times that game. So, um, he's very good at keeping his, his cool, you know? Um, but yeah, you could definitely tell like he's getting irritated. Like why are they keep, why do they keep coming from me? You know? And he's a targeted player. So, it's not necessarily like he has to get used to that because that shouldn't be like every game. He shouldn't go into the game expecting to get fouled 10 times. That's just not the way the game should go. But I think it definitely got way more chippy than it should have. Um, but we were right there by his side ready to, you know, figure things out if if anything happened for sure. Does it get fun? I mean, there's I, I, I think I <laughs> talked before. Yeah, we did Max and I's version we did yesterday. Mm. As people can tell, I'm in different clothes. I, I was thinking about wearing the same clothes so people oh, wouldn't yeah. know, but I decided not to. Um, and I was talking with Max. I go, it's, it's got to be for a young player. Sometimes you, you look and you think, oh, man, I, I don't I don't know what to do at this moment. Or maybe not even that. It's just you're like, you're seeing Carlos and you're like, man, this is, that's really cool. And then you realize your brain kicks in gear. You're like, you're supposed to be doing something. Yeah. I wouldn't, now you don't have to like out yourself and say you've had moments of that, but what, what is it like just kind of vibing and, and also work, like I said, working with them. You guys have a, a relationship on the pitch that you guys are, is important to the team. No, for sure. Um, it's definitely a cool relationship. Um, cause he's such a great player and to be able to play alongside, alongside him is, you know, it's an honor for sure. Um, but yeah, we've, Beta and Carlos have a great relationship, and you have to, as a player who doesn't play all the time, you have to mm-hmm. figure out how you're going to build that relationship so when you do get called on, that relationship isn't lacking. Um, so I've definitely done, you know, as best as my, like to my abilities to, you know, try to figure out Carlos's, um, you know, tendencies, whether he comes inside or, you know, stays out wide. Try to figure that out as quickly as I could. Um, and yeah, it's been working out pretty well. You know, I try to give him space when he wants it and then also provide, you know, an option for him when he needs it. Um, but yeah, I think our relationship is definitely, you know, growing. And like I said earlier, I think I'm, you know, super excited for, um, how like further in the year, um, how much stronger the relationship will get. So I want to jump from an on the pitch relationship to off. I always like to joke with uh, with Walker that you, Tyler, and Walker have a nice little happy family because yeah. <laughs> the way you guys hang out and stuff. Right. Yeah. Tell me, tell the viewers a little bit about that. I mean, we always see you guys in each other's Instagram stories. Whether right, you guys yeah. are like playing with each other, messing with each other's cars, like it just yeah. seems like you guys are always around each other. Is that is that the case? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, obviously, we all live in the same vicinity. We all live in Santa Monica. Um, I think Walker lives maybe like five minutes away. Um, but yeah, we have a great re- relationship with one another. Um, kind of like the Three Musketeers, um, I guess you could say. But yeah, we have we have good times together. We're always spending times with one another, you know, outside the pitch. Um, and yeah, um, they're they're a great group of guys for sure. So like video games, movie nights, like what kind of stuff are we talking about? And, and uh, other question. Is there any ever a day when when Sally is like can, 
can the guys just get out of here? Like, <laughs> like they're always here. Or is she, or is she very motherly in in that way for you guys? No, I would say Sally's definitely the mother figure in in all of this. But she definitely loves when we are around. Um, just to have us around is is always a good time. I think we're pretty fun. So, um, but yeah, um, I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of interesting how our relationship built. Because actually, if you ask Walker, he didn't think I really liked him last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this this past um, towards the end of last year and then the beginning of this year, we've really grown in our relationship with one another. Um, and yeah, I think we have. It's kind of like a brotherly thing um, going on. Uh, I'm definitely the younger brother, but uh, yeah. They pick pick on you the most. Oh, is that yeah, what you're trying sure. to say? Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I mean, we do all kinds of stuff. We get coffee together. We play video games, like you said. Um, yeah, more than not, we're hanging out um, after training almost every day. Yeah. Who's the one that? I wouldn't say you guys have like elaborate pranks, but you're always like picking on each other or oh, putting, yeah. like messing with each other's cars. Who's who's like the worst? Who's like you're like, all right, <laughs> cut it out. Uh, or is it you? Oh, that's tough to say. I don't know. Um, or what's the best one that one of you have done to, to the other? Best prank. Um, I don't know about pranks very much. Like, I don't think we do very many pranks, but Walker has this tendency when we – go out of training and it's like really sunny outside. I don't know why he does it because it's disgusting, but he always looks up at the sun and purposely goes in my car and sneezes on my car. And that's pretty annoying. But um, other than that, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of just banter here and there. Um, but I think it's it's give and take with all of us. I think each of us dishes out a decent amount every once in a while. Right. Yeah. So it's not something you would, you wouldn't trade it for the world, right? No, nah, not ever. <laughs> all right. Well, Tristan, thank you so much for coming on Inside oh, LAFC. Yeah. It's been great to have you. Great to see you kind of grow on the pitch. I hope we can uh, have you in again, uh, talk about more goals, more yeah. more everything for you. Yeah, appreciate uh, it. For all those listening, make sure you subscribe Inside LAFC. We got guys like Tristan Blackman. I'm going to sub them back out for Max. I guess we'll bring Max back next week because I think you have some some more important things to do on yeah, the pitch. probably. <laughs> uh, but uh, best of luck to you, and uh, we'll, we'll catch you again soon. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll catch you next week. Later.